The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. The legislation to extend uh, hours for nightclubs and bars has been pushed back now until it looks like well into 2024. Uh, this had been kind of heralded as 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 a, a way of, of saving some of the declining nightlife scene in this country or indeed boosting what scene already exists. Sunil Sharp is a spokesperson from the Give Us the Night campaign and he's with me in studio. Sunil, you're welcome to the Hi, show. Uh, it's good to see you again. Um, tell me, um, this must be disappointing, I'm sure, for you and your members, is it? It is. I mean, we, we did see this coming. We knew that there was a delay, that the the departments weren't really working on this at the rate that we thought it would need to be to get it through by certainly by the summer of this year. Don't forget as well, we did originally expect that the reform could be in place by 2022. Really, there should have been something in place coming out of the pandemic, even a couple of amendments, which would have made a big difference for us. Um but we waited uh, deep into 2022, didn't come then. Early 2023 was the was the two-year uh, space from when the original announcement around reform was made, which was six months after the, the, the setting up of the new government and the Nighttime Economy Task Force. So it's going on, you know, we're three years into the Nighttime Economy Initiative um, and we're, we're still no more sure as to when this reform is going to come in. There's a lot of speculation now mm. and, you know, I'd re- I would really like if if, if, if Leo Varadkar, the Taoiseach, could stop speculating and just, just lead us into this in, into this reform as soon as he possibly can because some of his comments just make it seem like this is completely out of his hands, you know, and I, um, I, I know he says that there needs to be more resourcing of the, of the departments and presumably the drafting units as well, but we're running way over uh, what was what was originally predicted now, in terms of timeline. Why they may need re- more resourcing is, is it's quite complex legislation. I mean, for a lot of people listening, they think this is just a. Le- allowing nightclubs to open till six in the morning kind of full stop. There's more to it than that isn't there? Yeah well I mean that's only one subsection it's only one very small part of the, of the like there was a four, 440 page uh, draft bill and presumably that would be bigger by the time the finalised uh, bill comes along so you know we're only really one small part of it but it is a part that the media like to you know get fixed on is this particular detail around the additional opening hours and I should say as well I mean we'd be more supporters of a of a more open-ended licensing system, closer to twenty-four hours. Um, uh, obviously, that would be that would be presuming that every venue that would be going later or, or would be going to let's say seven or eight o'clock in the morning would be responsible. The same way if, if they're going to two or three o'clock or five a.m. or six a.m. or whatever mm. it's going to be in the future. I mean, this is a moderate reform, but it's one that we're happy with as well. I, I need to say that we we would have liked it to have gone further, but it's it's moderate. Well, what's the broader picture then of of the nighttime economy? that you would like to see come to fruition? Well, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts in this and I think one of the things we need to think about long term as well is is investment and incentivising investment. I mean, there's a lot of people that would like to buy into the nighttime industry. They're not, no longer going into competition with uh, local rival entertainment groups or hospitality groups or the person that owns a few venues in the area. They're going up against uh, foreign international investments, you know, and that's... Um, and that's a different type of beast and that's why we've lost a lot of venues. But I, I do think we need to redefine what nightlife is. We need to build on all the good things uh, that we have in nightlife, particularly with our with our thriving pub industry. I know they've, you know, they're suffering too as well. But, you know, we've got a great uh, world famous pub industry here. We did have a good nightlife uh, in terms of the later hours as well. Unfortunately, that's, that's sort of fallen off in recent years. But we've got lots of existing cultural in- infrastructure that could be put to greater use uh, later into the, into the evening and night as well. Uh, Dr. Sheila Gilhini is the CEO of uh, Alcohol Action Ireland. Uh, Sheila, have you reservations about the legislation? 
Yes, we would have reservations about it. We, we certainly don't have a, point, a problem with, um, you know, updating legislation, making it more streamlined. Things like that are all perfectly okay. What we do have a problem with is, you know, the general, um, I suppose, notion that really to have a vibrant nighttime economy, you have to have extended hours for sale of alcohol. You have to have more venues where you can buy alcohol. And that's in fact really that the nighttime economy needs to be centred on, on alcohol. So a couple of things that we, we would have concerns with, um, as Sunil was saying, this is actually far more than just, you know, nightclubs uh, with longer hours are much more concerning. In fact, actually, as a general extension of licensing hours, you know, that um, all, all venues could stay open from uh, where they would currently be closed at the moment at 11.30, can now stay open to 12.30. That would actually be easier for late night opening to for, for most bars till 2.30. But also, actually, um, a, a much another very concerning thing is an increase in the number of licences that would be made available to so doing away with the extinguishment uh, procedure that we have in place and introducing a whole new thing called uh, a cultural uh, licence. So basically, sort of saying that a cultural immunity that practically could be anything if you could say, you know, our activity is a cultural kind of an activity, then we we can apply and you can get a, a license for it. So what we're saying is that um, what's really important here is to take a step back and look and see what would be the impact of all of these sorts of changes. We already know that alcohol is is a problem for us here in Ireland. We already have high levels of alcohol use, um, and. The more you increase the availability of alcohol, the likelier it is that you will increase the level of harms that come from it. So just to give you a couple of examples, um, we've talked about this before, but for every increase, uh, our extended uh, licensing hours that has been seen, say, for example, in Amsterdam, they would have seen a 34% increase in the uh, level of alcohol-related injuries. Similar figures from all around the world, you know, can, I can cite here. So what we're really calling on Helen McEntee, Minister Helen McEntee, is to carry out a health impact assessment and really look at these things in, in depth, really ask the questions, you know, who's going to be carrying the burden of this increased sale of alcohol? Is it the Gardaí? Is it uh, our EDs? Is it families mm. who are having to deal with increased domestic violence? There's an awful lot of questions that really haven't been looked at uh, in, in, yeah. in, in the, the preparation. did make the point that, you know, that there are responsibilities on people who have a licence at the moment, whether they're open till midnight or 2am, 3am, 6am, however long it is. And those responsibilities will still exist, they would carry over. Well, all I can say is that we already can see the difficulties that we have in Ireland from alcohol. Right now, we, we have costs of the order of £3.7 for example, that, that's the cost to the state. Uh, the alcohol taxes that we would get from that come to about £1.2 So, you know, we're already massively out, out of kilter in terms of you know, the scale of the harm that we have. I could give you so many different figures here, but, you know, we already, there's been a lot of discussion here about, you know, the unease that people feel going out at night uh, in Dublin. And we have seen, you know, sort of public order um, offences actually increase in some parts of Dublin by 36% over the last four years. And you'd really have to be asking the question, if we pour more alcohol into what we currently have, will you know, the, the, the likely result is that we will have even more harm. We will have more assaults. We will have more injuries. We will have more pressure on our EDs. And we will most definitely have significant impacts on families and communities right around the country. 
Sunil, she doesn't paint a very um, appealing picture of Dublin nightlife. Yeah, I mean, listen, to get back to one of the points Sheila made, and it's this data from Amsterdam, I mean, that was very selectively uh, cooked and presented, and I think people should revisit that particular report. I mean, you need to you need to dig very deep to find that original report, and I know there's people from the municipality who will come onto this show and contradict um, elements of, of what was in that report, and would actually would actually discuss what they did to and this is something that Amsterdam are very good, good at, at reacting in real time mm-hmm. to any problems that there may be. I mean, I don't doubt, and as we've said it before, there may be some teething issues when we do bring this in originally. I believe that this reform or an update of the laws should have been brought back in the 1970s when there was a nightclub, in this, an emerging nightclub industry. I think the people unfortunately, and I, listen, I respect the work of Sheila and, and, and her colleagues and other, other advocates, but I, I really think they're you know, they're kind of living on borrowed time in terms of, you know, trying to prevent this and stop this. It's happening. It's how we do it safely. Um, I, we're not against the health risk assessment. We believe the best, has, the best health risk assessment would be to change the licensing laws. But I'd love to know maybe how, what Sheila, because like I said, we're not against it, but could mm-hmm. Sheila maybe lay out what that health risk assessment would look like and who would lead that and who would be involved? Sheila, how long would you like to spend doing this health risk assessment? Uh, it certainly needs about six months, really, to, to do it properly. Uh, if you look at something like the Institute of Public Health, they would have guidelines on um, what's involved in uh, a health impact assessment. So you know, the, what, what a health impact assessment is, is a structured way of looking and looking at the evidence and looking to see, well, if you're going to do this and you expect to get a certain amount of increase in, in harms or whatever from it, how are you going to deal with that? What are the extra resources that are going to be needed elsewhere? So... There, there, there are ways of, of doing this, and you know these. This, when, when I talk about you know the harm that actually comes from alcohol by you know increasing the availability of it, I gave one example there from Amsterdam, but there are countless others. Literally, every country in the world who has increased its licensing hours has found problems, uh, you know, ensuing problems from that. Whether it's through injuries, whether it's through uh, street disorder, whether it's through increase in domestic violence, which is a very, very close correlation with the density of uh, alcohol outlets. That information is there and this is well researched. This is not just one organisation here in Ireland saying this. This is you know, literally yeah. a global uh, problem that comes from I'm, increased availability. I'm, just, I'm, I'm conscious of the time, but I, I do want to uh, kind of put to you another point uh, Sunil made. Uh, do, do you feel like you're kind of, and I say this with all due respect, old men uh, uh, crying against the dying of the light? You know, uh, actually, all around the world, um, you know, people are starting to look again at, at, at our relationship with alcohol. And, you know, the, the, the World Health Organization is very clear on what can be done. And other countries are doing this. They are looking and they are seeing, you know, there's a huge burden to be to be carried, um, you know, from from alcohol. And it's really unsustainable. You know, right now in this country, we have nearly 15% of the population have an alcohol use disorder. That's just one figure. 1,500 people are in hospital tonight because of an alcohol problem. And actually, you know, most of that harm is actually not even coming from people with a dependency problem. It's coming from just drinking that bit much more mm. that does lead to these sorts of harms. And, you know, given that we know that, why would we, you know, rush headlong into increasing availability? 
and especially when we have a minister who is concerned about domestic yeah, violence, well, and rightly so, and who is concerned about you know safety on our streets, it really doesn't make I sense. Don't, I don't think Sunil would say we're rushing into it. I think no, it's, it's, it's nearly rushing. twenty years uh, in the making. This but, bill, but, so uh, uh, there will be people listening in agreement with Sheila, others in agreement with Sunil. Listen, thank you both uh, for joining me. The fact is, it has been delayed uh, against the summer twenty twenty four. It looks like now, uh, possibly at the earliest. Uh, Dr. Sheila Galhini is the CEO of Alcohol Action Ireland, and Sunil Sharp is a spokesperson for the Give Us the Night. A campaign. Stay with us. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.